Welcome to the Neighborhood Realtor Podcast with me, your host, Matt Muscat. This is a podcast for real estate industry professionals who are doers. Each episode will feature an interview with a top producer or someone who's doing things differently in an exciting way. For those who already know me or have read my books or blogs, my brand of marketing is tangible and repeatable because smart salespeople don't need to reinvent the wheel. My promise to you is that in each episode, you'll leave with one tangible idea that you can take to the bank. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. I am 99% sure that our guest today who shares my name because his mother was a genius um, is the highest producing realtor we've had on the show. Before before we hit record, he told me about his production, but I'll let him tell that to you directly. So Matt, Matt Laracy from Chicagoland, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on. <laughs> so tell everybody, what is your production, your team's production in 2022, both units and volume? Uh, so we should finish uh, a little bit around uh, 550 to uh, a little bit more than that closed in transactions. And we're going to finish around 295 million closed. Um, so, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a record breaking year for us. It's not it's a little bit short of where our goal was. Our goal was to do over 300. But, um, you know, also I'll, I'll call the year a failure, even though it's good. Uh, but, you know, uh, the, the goal is always to grow, you know, to do a little bit more than you did the year before. Well, you might not be getting the the number one wine off the very top shelf, but you can you can probably get a really good bottle anyways for hitting for hitting that number. So that puts you the number one team for units in in the Chicago area, which is absolutely amazing. But listening to you and hearing about your story, I'm most impressed with the grind. You hustle in every aspect of your business, and so does your team. Walk me through where you started and some of the pivotal moments to getting to where you guys are today. Yeah, so I started in 2006. Um, pretty much before I graduated college, I was already licensed. Um, I'm a third generation agent, so I always knew I was going to get into real estate. Uh, so when I graduated, I started working within 24 hours of, of graduating. Uh, and just like everybody else, I thought real estate would be somewhat easy because I, I came from a background <laughs> family of it. And uh, like a lot of people, I got my license and started working and I was kind of like, well, what do I do now? Uh, so, uh, you know, you, you kind of have to figure what out what did you do when you showed up on your first day? Like I always for realtors, cause I feel like you, you get a job as a realtor, but then no one tells you that it's not like a real job with a boss and people telling yeah. you, but what did that first day look like for you as a third generation person? Cause you didn't go to work for your dad cause he wouldn't let you. Right. Yeah. So my old man wouldn't let me go work at his company right away. So I started working in a company called century 21 pro team. Um, so they had some training sessions that I would do daily. Uh, but minus the training sessions. I just thought you would get in at nine o'clock because that's what, you know, you've, you've read about nine fives, right? So I would get in at nine. Uh, my first day I would look, I looked around for where to sit. Uh, and the owner of the company actually was a past client of my father's and they didn't like each other. So I didn't get a desk uh, and everybody had desks there. So like, I didn't, I was like, always kind of like a little bit nervous. I was sitting in somebody else's seat. So I think that first day, wherever I sat, I think I was just nervous that somebody's gonna tell me to get the hell out of here. Because I was also 21 and most of the people in the office were like 60. So like I, I, I didn't have anybody to relate to of like, what do I do at this point? Right. So how did you initially, I know a lot of your initial story was was kind of guess and testing every possible piece of effort that you could you could think of. Uh, you mentioned you used to hang outside of Home Depot's. Not, not to pick up labor work. But what, were, what were you doing? What were, what were some of those early efforts that you tried in your attempts to like make something happen? I mean, I would hand out business cards at different places. I just figured it'd be a good way to, you know, um, you know, get your name out there. Uh, I figured if you're remodeling your house, maybe you're thinking about selling it. So I went to a bunch of those. Went to Starbucks. Figured if you spend two to four dollars on a cup of coffee, you know, maybe you're looking to buy. 
Um, I drove around neighborhoods collecting information on for sale by owners. Uh, and I'll, you know, most of the time I would, I would actually, if I saw a for sale by owner, I would always go up to the door and door knock. Uh, and if they uh, weren't home, um, many, many times it was a neighborhood I wanted to sell and I would sit in my car and wait for them to get home. Um, so like now looking back on it, like, I mean, in today's day and age, you'd probably get arrested. Uh, but, you know, back then, I mean, I think the world was a little bit of a simpler place. I just I just thought like, you know, these are the ways that I knew that I could try to get business because that's how I could, you know, these are people you knew that could buy or sell. So I, I did what I could. I also got the paper every day. Because back in back in 06, people had papers, but there wasn't as much stuff online. Um, and, and I cut out art, you know, for sale by owners, and I would, I would cold call them, and I follow up them every five days. So, pretty much anything anything that was possible out there to do, I did to try to get business. What's crazy is that you know we're sitting here. That was 2006, 2007. Now we're in 2023, and a lot of those same strategies are still the things that agents are doing. I mean, I just two weeks ago. Went with an agent to a coffee shop. We bought up the coffee shop for three hours, got four leads off of it. Now, it's nothing revolutionary. It's not techy. It's not sexy. It's just meeting people. Um, but so I think so many times people are looking for those golden or those silver bullets, how to get business. But it's just showing up and putting the work in, like like you mentioned, you did 20 years ago. But like right now, I think it's so much easier to try to get business because you know now you have social media and stuff like that. But also now, you know, if I sold in like just, I mean, I sell downtown Chicago now, but like, let's say River North is a big neighborhood we sell in. Like if I had more time, I would just be like, you know, you have uh, next door, uh, you have Facebook groups, Instagram groups, you know, neighborhoods, social groups. Like there's all these different groups. I would just be the the voice constantly on there giving advice. Constantly. You want to get a, you want to get a sale today. You want to get a sale tomorrow. You might get one a year and then you did a good job in that. That turns into two next year. You did a good job in that. That's four next year. Right. So like, you know, that, that, that snowballs in business. So there's so many different ways now because of technology that you could get business that didn't exist when I was young. Well, and I think too, a lot of, a lot of realtors, they think like, oh, well, you know, he's saying, you know, go post on these groups, but I don't have anything to post about because I'm a new realtor and I don't have any listings, et cetera. But all it's about, it's, it's just about being an expert in those groups and being a valuable um, person that can answer their questions. If they're asking about what's the best coffee shop in the neighborhood, best burger, et cetera, right. be the person. The answer and then when there's the real estate question you're going to be that much more trustworthy you're going to be their go-to go-to person i love hearing that also on social media your team does an absolutely fantastic job um everyone out there should check out the literacy group on social but i noticed on your website you guys mention that other agents say in their presentations that they they use social media but they don't really explain what they do and they're not consistent you guys actually market the property for the entire life of the property until it sells. Can you walk us through that? Because I think so many people miss kind of the the consistency and the ongoing part of it, um, yeah. but they still talk about it as if it's like some magical thing that they do that their clients aren't smart enough to understand. Yeah, I mean, I think most people, when you, when you um, especially, I mean, we have the most listings in the city. So, I mean, we're on listing appointments all the time. People say, well, you know, we're going to uh, post on social media. And I said, well, what, what do they do? Like, what does that mean? Right? Like, so they post one post and then what, what from there? Right. So like for us, we have a strategy. So in fact, we're switching up our strategy as we head into 2023 because social media has changed right now before it used to be longer videos, et cetera. Now everything's about reels and short stuff. Right. So like first week we're on the market, we're going to promote uh, our first reel. Our second week on the market, we're going to promote our second reel that we're going to do. So the second type of custom reel. Third one, we're going to do like cool pictures for it. Fourth one, we're going to go back to the first reel and boost it again. So every single week we're on the market, we're going to boost a different ad for the property. And we and every single week we send what the analyticals uh, are for that boost to our clients directly on Wednesdays. 
So it's not just like, hey, we're on here. It's like, here's exactly what we did, what we spent, what we targeted, et cetera. Well, it's more, it's more detailed. It's more like working with professional agents. They think a lot of times when a customer, especially for a, a nicer high-end house, they're hiring a realtor. They're, they're in essence just hiring a marketing agency to get that property out there. And then in the right. second, there's an offer, you're, they're hiring you to negotiate on their behalf. So I think sending out those analytics is genius because I've never heard of a realtor doing that ever. I'm yeah. assuming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have a two follow up a week system with clients. So every Wednesday we do analytics, click the ratios, social media performances, open ratios on websites, showing tendencies of our place compared to others. I mean, it's pretty crazy. And on Saturdays, I break down the markets of the T, tell them how they performed, what we need to change, who's came on that's similar to us, had a price change, et cetera. I tell them what's been happening in the market, best articles came across and law or latest vlogger podcast. So, I mean, the I would say that we uh, overtouch with our people, but I think it's harder to try to get fired if it's a tough market and you're over communicating. Most of America, the last few years have experienced a phenomenal seller's market. So they were able to sell properties very quickly. The markets we worked in was a hardcore buyer's market. In fact, I'd say the last three years were the worst markets in history for where we sold uh, because I was selling in high rises downtown Chicago and there's no offices open. There is no businesses open and you're pretty much locked up inside. And we had the highest amount of inventory on record. So, you know, when you have an average mark time of over 200 days in your market, uh, you need to do everything you can to show that you're doing everything you can to try to sell the property. Well, it's fascinating because most of the time agents list a house and then they just wait for that offer to come in. And there may be no communication between the agent clients until there is an offer. That's a huge missed opportunity because every single time you touch base with a client, that's an opportunity to get referrals. That's an opportunity for to impress them. That's an opportunity to grow in your knowledge of what's going on in their building, in the life, in their life, etc. Yeah, I think the biggest problem people have is that they, uh, my my father told me this one is that they they stick a sign in their lawn, they never hear from them again. And then if you're following up with them a minimum of two times a, a week, like, yeah, I know a lot of our clients get really pissed off about it because if they're not selling, we've been on the market for a while and here's another email to remind them why they hate us. But at the end of the day, at least they can know that we're trying and that we're doing everything we can and we're showing it. You know, I would say actions speak louder than words. So if we're physically showing you every single week, twice a week, what we're doing to try to sell it, it was what it is. And, you know, just like everybody else, we can get fired every now and then. Um, but ultimately, I can always say that we, we've done everything we could to try to move that property. And you've done more than the competition is doing to move their properties, which is huge. But also, yeah. like, I th another huge thing is like you going through that process of preparing the data for your clients at the same time makes you guys the most knowledgeable people about those neighborhoods, about those buildings, et cetera, which number one, gives you opportunities to spot um, listings you should be taking in that area, but also it better prepares you for the next one. And people right. tend to do that. Um, and yeah. I think you mentioned to me before the call that through doing some of this stuff, your team has actually broken multiple records for the highest price points in many different Chicago neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, we get a lot of sales solely, like a lot of, most of my listing leads come from just the fact that like, they see your name all over the place or here we did a good job or, you know, <clears throat> we sell a lot of high rises. So I'm the only company in the city where my guys have dress codes. So everybody's gotta be in a suit and tie at all times, okay? So, you know, you see the guys in suits and ties constantly coming in and out of the building, like, like hey, I, I seen your group, like, 30 times I'm thinking about putting my place up. Let's let's get you an interview in here, right? So, or there's a lot of listings we get that we represented the seller. And then when they go to sell, they they call us to sell. And in fact, right before we got on this call, that's who I was talking to was we broke the record for the highest price sale in the West Loop. And the guy that bought it, we didn't represent. He called me to resell because he's just like, listen, like 
you're the one that sold it to me. I thought you did a great job. I didn't think my agent did as good of a job and we want to hire you to do it. So, you know, that's, that's a, people forget that the way you act in a transaction, if you do it the right way, you can actually get that client, you know, somebody else's client back to yourself. If you're the better one there is, you know, ultimately you're on an interview at all times. That's what you have to look at. You're on an interview at all times. And I think people too often forget that, right? I mean, there's so many agents that show up wearing their cargo shorts and a t-shirt and expect to get that listing. Um, well, you, the you I, I ever ran though. Think about this yeah. though. Like, you know, when you go on a competition, people say like, what separates you from somebody else? I'm like, well, the last guy that came in here, I saw, saw him walk out the door in jeans and t-shirt and I'm here in a suit and tie. It's 105 degrees weather out. Like I'm a professional. Like that's the difference, right? So like the way you carry yourself, people are attracted to it. People want to be led to the water, right? So if you're the one that's walking in with the confidence and you look the part, you show the part, you act the part, and you're knowledgeable, but enough about the part, like they're naturally going to want to gravitate towards you anyway. So that's a big way we get business as well. And now a message from our sponsors. The Neighborhood Realtor is made possible by the generous support of Treadstone Funding and Neighborhood Loans. With locations all over the U.S., Neighborhood Loans believes in doing mortgages better, faster, smarter, and creating personal relationships with their clients and realtors. Obviously, that's, you know, almost 300 million is a huge amount. What's the size of your team that helps you do that? And what types of positions do you employ? So I have nine agents total, uh, including myself. Um, and then I have uh, four assistants and two marketing people. And are you feeding them most of their business or are they prospecting their own databases to grow as well? I'd say most of the business comes to me and then we kind of work it together. Um, okay. A lot of people have buyers and sellers agents or junior agents and stuff like that. I don't believe in any of that shit. So like we, like we're like Navy SEALs. So like we, uh, we work very hard. My guys do listings and they do buyers. Uh, you know, I told you before we have a dress code, but we also count days off. So behind me here on this board, here's a board. Uh, you have to work seven days a week. If you take off before 630 at night, that's a half day. If you take off before four o'clock on a weekend, that's a half day. So many days off, you get fired. Uh, we hold our guys accountable. So like my nine guys is equivalent to like 50 people on a different team because uh, they're always working. Um, and, you know, some guys like to do, everybody's got different personalities. So when I get a lead, it depends on, you know, I give it to them depending on if I think the personalities will match, uh, if it's an area they like more than others. But I think too many people with these teams only try to get the person to be like, this guy's just going to do my listings and this guy's just going to do my buyers. Uh, and then those people get burnt out of just doing buyers. Cause after a while, if you're just doing buyers seven days a week, 24 seven, like you kind of get, gets old, you know? And if you just do listings, it's the same way. But like with us, the good thing is like, they're doing all of it. They're working high end stuff. They're working low end stuff. We're working the middle stuff. They're doing the buyers, they're doing the sellers. They're doing odd jobs to help out too, you know, like, you know, meeting contractors, et cetera. Uh, and I think it keeps it fresh. That's huge. So when you are looking at your database, what types of, what types of, reach outs, communication, are your past clients, VIPs from you throughout the year? Um, I don't really use the term VIPs. I just look at every client as the same. So uh, okay. every quarter, like no matter what, we do a hand touch of uh, reaching out, of giving them a quarterly update. Uh, it's usually something really tiny, personal, uh, all business related. I I'm not I'm not the type of guy that likes to do client events or uh, go out to dinners or anything like that. Like I don't want to associate myself with my clients in, in a social way. I don't mean that in a rude way, but like, I look at myself like it's like a, it's like if you got to have a, a heart surgery, like you may like your one heart surgeon better than the other guy, but like the guy that's the number one in the country, like it's, it's life or death. You're going to go the one that's the best, not going to go the one you like the most. So I really try to separate social and business with my clientele. So 
when we do our touches, it's it's really very businesslike. So, you know, every quarter, no matter what, like clockwork at the, at the end of the quarter, we follow up with our clients. So we'll give them a, a full quarter update of what's happened. Okay. Uh, every month, no matter what, they get an update from us. And that has like a lot of our videos, like our podcast or vlogs, what's been going on in the market, how we're performing this year, et cetera. And then for those clients that want to be signed up weekly, uh, every week I send out the longest, most drawn out email you'll get where I literally break down the market to the T better than anybody of what's actually happening boots on the ground. So, you know, I, I give our clients options of how involved they want to be or not, but at the, at the minimum, they get a, a, a monthly email, a quarterly email. Oh, and then we do a quarterly card as well. I love that. And I think for so many people listening out there, the idea of clients options of how they want to be communicated to is huge because some people don't want to get a weekly, a weekly piece, but everybody in theory needs to get an update on what their market, what their neighborhood, what their properties right. do on a yearly basis. So there's kind of like minimums, but then there's also some, some client preference that comes into play there. I love, love hearing you mentioned on our, on our talk before that you have to really get rich in knowledge before you can get rich in money, which I think yeah. is genius. Most people, you know, you watch all the real estate shows and you chase the money first. How how long were you in real estate before you feel like you truly had that knowledge? Obviously, it's all, always growing, but like, how did you get there? I would say probably in my fifth to six years when I started really feeling very comfortable um, <clears throat> with, with talking about the marketplace. Um, and I think the biggest problem is that a lot of people, especially right now in certain parts of the country, got their license, you know, grew up rich or had a great network. You know, I, I think this business, if you have a good network, you can do very well for, for I call it a short period of time. And that's why a lot of people, there's always that question of like, what was your best year ever? You know, that's a, that's a big saying in the mortgage and, and real estate industry, right? Like you, you run into something, it's a network event, like, well, hey, just what was your best year, right? And I, I'm a, I never understood that because I'm like, well, every year should be your best year, right? You should always be doing better than the last year. And the reason that happens is because a lot of people get in the business, they got a great network, they crush it because it's a good market, right? And then the market next year sucks. And they're like, I don't know, like what's happening? Like, well, my network's not buying anymore, right? And then when the people call them up to ask them what's happening, they don't know. They don't know what's happening. They just, they had a lot of friends that had a lot of money. But now those people with friends that had money, they're, they're gone. So like, if you know the business and you know the market, people will always want to come to you. So I'll give me an example, like when the pandemic hit here, um, in 2020, we had the worst market in history. We had 24 months of inventory. Then the Great Recession, we had 12 months of inventory. So we had double the amount of inventory we had during the worst market. And most people in the suburbs were crushing because everybody wanted more spaces and they're leaving there. But I was selling in the heart of the city, downtown Chicago, where there was not a single thing open. And I was literally the only person walking the streets of Chicago. And I people talk about those three months of lockdown. They were as slow as they've ever been. They got family time. I've never seen my family less than I did during those three months. Because I was at the office more than anybody. My phone was ringing off the hook. Everybody was asking me what's happening with the market. Where's it going to go? What should I expect? When should I sell? How should I do with my market or my property, et cetera? And the reason that I had that opportunity and I had the best year at that point ever in 2020, uh, because uh, I had so many people calling me for advice. And that's because I established myself as the expert. So I think that's probably something that a lot of people are going to need to start doing in the next couple months, because all of these houses around the country are sitting on the market for a little bit longer than they had in the past two years. So that creates some uncertainty. So whether you believe the market's amazing, terrible, et cetera, uncertainty is what, what is in the minds of clients. So if you are not putting content out there to let people know that you are the go-to expert, you're not going to get those calls. Yeah. So what I'll start doing right now to educate people on the market, the sub-markets, the micro-markets, 
um, and even the national market so that you become the person that gets that call. So you, you can weather really any storms. I love, love that strategy. What yeah. it going through that pandemic in Chicago, because Chicago did experience it differently than really almost any other city. Um, yeah. what, what things did you start doing then that you're probably going to carry through forever or, or the opposite like that you hope to never do again? Um, well, I mean, first off, I think we, I think we got a little bit lucky in the three month lockdown because most agents didn't want to work because they were scared of the disease. And like me and a couple of guys here were the only, literally the only ones that would, so we were taking, we were taking a lot of referrals because people were like, Hey, I got a buyer, but I don't want to go out. And I was like, I don't give a shit. Like I'll go out and do whatever. And not saying I don't respect COVID or I don't believe in disease or anything like that, but like ultimately at the day, I got to put food on the table. So, right. you know, we learned how to get more efficient with certain aspects, but I think the best part was, is that we've always been a paperless company. We've always been a tech four company. So like people started doing like, Hey, we got to get into video and we got to get into VR and we got to get into QR and all this stuff. And like, those have been part of my system since day one. Like I've always, I was the first person on Matterport, first person to do video tours, first person to promote QRs, which we now turn into NFCs. Like, so when the market turned towards that, it's like everybody was rushing to try to figure out how to do it. And I had it perfected. So I had a leg up on all my competitors because like people are like, well, we need to make sure that we're build virtually. It's like our office is built virtually. Like we, we produce almost no paper in this office. And I think because that we already worked so efficiently beforehand, we were set up to win and everybody else was trying to figure it out. So we had like a six, it's kind of like we were in a race and we got the first two laps for free before the other people got to get started. Well, I think that's, it's so huge to be, uh, I guess, on the forefront of technology, especially when it comes to real estate, because it seems like every time a new technology comes out, it might not work. It might not go anywhere, but at least developing an understanding of it and figuring out how you could apply that gives you that extra advantage. If the market changes or the world changes and you then need to use it, it becomes a, a necessity rather than a want. Um, it gives yeah. you that after advantage. I mean, a lot of the people that were the first ones on Zillow 15 years ago, 20 years ago are still the top agents, even if they don't use that that software or tool anymore. And the same can be said for many other tools that are currently out there. Well, you know, it's funny you said that because I, I was the very first person on Zillow Antrally in 2008 uh, for the Midwest. And I was the first one to advertise on the zip codes. And I remember, you know, I put my credit card down and I invested $5,000 between the two companies on 60605. And I didn't have $5,000 uh, at the time. So I was, you know, going to rack up some credit card debt and go bankrupt or win. And I played around with the algorithm of, of online and just seeing their search tours and, and how things worked out and compared to realtor.com and some of the other websites. And, you know, I bet the house on it because I knew that at some point people were going to go searching online, you know? And when you look at Zillow, it's like the reason they have reviews, I was the one that pitched it to the guys. Cause I remember in 2009, we went to San Diego and my wife wanted uh, Italian food in San Diego, which I don't know why. Uh, and I went on, on, on Yahoo at the time because Google wasn't big. We went on a website called Yelp, which was just starting to take off. Yep. And I looked at the top three Italian websites and we picked the menu from there. And it hit me like a lightning bolt there. I was like, why, how many people are coming to Chicago that don't know a realtor, right? But it'll go all based off reviews. So I pitched that to the guys at Zillow and Trulia at that time. And they started with reviews on Zillow and they started with recommendations on Trulia. Remember, these were two separate companies at the time. So then I started my hardest to get reviews because I figured, hey, if I have online reviews, even if I don't have that many sales, if I have the most reviews, I'll at least have a leg up on somebody else if somebody's just searching the way. And still to this day, I have like, I don't know, six or 700 more reviews than the next guy. And that's because I started in, in 08 and 09 of advertising there. So when, when 2013 hit and everybody started advertising online, people were like, man, I really want to catch up. It's like, well, there's already owned, I already own that site. Like it was done. 
Like we, we were so established in there and you couldn't even, you couldn't even beat us. Well, I think number one, it's being that early adopter, but number two, you stayed consistent with it throughout the next 20 years. I know like yeah. we got into Google reviews on the Google business pages back in 2007 before they were huge. And we got a bunch of reviews then, but it's the same strategy every single week. And now there's companies like Quicken that are 10 times bigger than us, but we're still number one in our markets for Google. Right. The consistent weekly strategy to get a couple right. more or a couple more. Um, consistency is key. And I think that's where most real estate professionals, sales professionals probably miss the boat. Um, they start something, they don't get a lead that day, they stop. They get a client over here, they stop doing They don't protect their time. You yeah. mentioned this earlier, and the surgeon does not rearrange their life and their schedule because something changes in their day, surgery cancels yeah. surgery. They protect their time. They are not a commodity. And right. we as professionals need to make sure that we're not a commodity either. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Matt, a huge thanks for being on the show today. I have so many page notes. And so I'm sure everybody else listening does as well. If someone has a referral, whether it's a hundred thousand dollar deal, which is probably a parking spot or a $30 million deal in the Chicago area, how would they get a hold of you? You know, they could easily just email us at mlrc at americorpre.com. So it's mlrc at americorp with a P re.com. Um, we'll get back to you within minutes. Okay. Guys, again, this is the hardest working real estate agent in Chicago, possibly the country. So he will get back to you within minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everybody, thanks for listening today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. And a huge thank you to our sponsors, Neighborhood Loans and Treadstone Mortgage. With offices around the US, their loan officers offer a realtor-centric focus, personal communication from real humans, plus on-time closings that frankly are faster than most of the mortgage companies. Want to be connected to a great LO? Message me, your host, for more information, and I will connect you with a loan officer in your neighborhood. Want more marketing tips? Check out my book on Amazon, TAG, The Tangible Action Guide for Real Estate Marketing. And finally, if you want to support the show and hear even better guests, leave us a review on the podcast platform that you listen on.